Never had it so good. 101.1 is proud to have talk radio on their platform. Like Pastor Regina Johnson, Refresh Radio, James Deshay, Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, Daquan King, Revive Radio, Warren Sally with Man Cave Radio, Sky Wonders with Unmuted, Your Voice Matters, Wake Up Call Radio with Pastors Warren and Annie Sally, Peace Within Radio with Henry Washington, The Bible Has the Answers with Pastor Aaron B. Williams, Dig Radio with Pastor Annetta Watson, Crazy Sports Mom with Doretha Anderson, Been There, Done That with Cindy Smith, Pave Your Way to Success with Rudy and Michelle Govan, Spiritually Reincarnated with Gilbert Sainz, In Times Like These with Benita Coney, Sports Talk Atlanta with Matt D and Travis McGee, Sports Talk Carolina with Andre White and Meek Emerson, Sports Talk Money Podcast with Elliot Johnson, Power 803 with Reverend John Robinson, Totally Healed Radio with Angel Anderson, Bless This House Gospel Hour with Bishop Timothy Henderson, and It's a Way Out and a Way to Stay Out with Marlon Reed. I'm talking about absolutely the best talk show host in the country right here on Never Had It So Good 101.1, The World's Radio Station. I know the Bible is right. It's the Bible has the answers with Pastor Aaron B. Williams coming to you live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. and never had it so good gospel 107. Pastor Williams believes if you have a question, the Bible has the answers. Join us Wednesday on the show or at I am Jesus Holy Ghost Church in Columbia, South Carolina, where service times are Tuesday night prayer at 7 p.m. Sabbath Friday service at 7 p.m. and Saturday Sabbath day service at 12 noon. Our motto is, it pays to serve God. Hit us up at IamJesusHolyGhostChurch.org. That's Pastor Aaron B. Williams, live on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Come on and get the Word of God at its highest level. Well, the Bible is right. The Bible is right. We know the Bible is right, amen, because we've delved into the Bible many times to find out that the Bible was right. Glory to God. Well, saints of God, tonight I wanted to divert a little bit because Sunday is Father's Day. Glory to God. Sunday is Father's Day. And my wife had made a very cogent observation And to my mind, it it proved out to be true. She was saying one time how the body of Christ and the body of Christ, we make a fuss on Mother's Day. Oh, we we take mother, we make sure that we go to church with mother. And after, after church, we take her to dinner. And then after dinner, we go to the house and sit around and talk to mother. And maybe some of the kids get her flowers and whatever else, uh, glory to God. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. That's God honoring, because when we honor, when we do what God tells us to do, that that honors God, and he tells us to honor our mothers and fathers. So when we honor mom, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with it, and I'm not implying anything about it. But my wife, uh, she was making the observation that when, when Mother's Day comes, we, t- we tend to make a fuss. But when Father's Day comes, we just say, okay, it's Father's Day and keep going. As if Father's Day, we don't really need to make a fuss about Dad. Now, when we see him, we may say, uh, happy Father's Day and keep going. Amen. But there's no big fuss made. This is what she was saying that there's no big fuss made about Father's Day like there is about Mother's Day. And she didn't particularly like that. She thought she was saying that the father was just as deserving as the mother to make a fuss over. 
And because it is Father's Day this Sunday, glory to God, this coming Sunday, I thought that uh, we would talk about fathers a little bit, amen, and just look at observations from the Bible and, and otherwise about fathers, amen, glory to God. Well, the first scripture I want to uh, take you to is in Matthew, Matthew 9, Matthew, the 23rd chapter, Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the ninth verse. Now, I was brought up in a foster homes, and in one of the foster homes I was brought up in, in that particular town, I believe it was Osning, New York. I'm pretty sure that was the that was the town that one of the foster homes that I was brought up in. And in that town they had a Boy Scout troop and I wanted to join the Boy Scouts. Now here I am, 12, 11, 12 years old, 13 years old, and I want to join the Boy Scouts. And that was just fine. But what I didn't realize, I, I didn't pay attention to those things. This Boy Scout troop came out of a Catholic church. It, it, it was sponsored by a Catholic church. And at 12 and 13 years old, I know nothing about Catholicism. I know nothing about it. I, I do. I, if you'd have told me it was a Catholic school, I'd have looked at you. I, I didn't know a school. To me, school was school was school. So, but I didn't. I thought that that was what you were supposed to do because that's the way we were trained. We were trained to call Catholic priests father, and I never. I didn't think anything of it until maybe what uh, twenty. Years later, 23 years later, when I got saved, and then when I was reading in the Bible, and, and I came to Matthew 23, 9, and it says in Matthew 23, 9, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. For one is your father which is in heaven. Amen. Glory to God. And so... Glory to God. And so I discovered, oh, my goodness, what I was doing was not scriptural. I was obeying what the Catholics taught me, but what they were taught me was wrong according to scripture. Because in scripture, it says to call no man your father. And then I had foster fathers, and I called them fathers. Um, And you go to a foster home. And you would say to them, oh, you're my new father and you're my new mother. And they would, you would call, you would address them as father or mother. Well, once again, when I got saved and I looked in scripture and it said to call no man your father. Well, let's read Matthew 23, 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. And so then I thought, oh, okay, well, I don't call Catholic priests, no one in the Catholic Church father, but also, what do I do about my foster fathers? And then I I had to start calling my foster fathers or anyone that I related to as father, I had to start calling them pop or dad or something like that. But I had to obey scriptures. Amen. Glory to God. I wanted to point this out. And in this scripture, it says, not only don't we call, and Jesus, Jesus is saying this, not only does he say not to call anyone on earth your father, but the scripture says, for one is your father, which is in heaven. And so I discovered, uh, oh, my goodness, I have a father, and he's in heaven. Amen. I have a father. And he is in heaven. Now, I was a foster child, and I never saw my my biological father at, at all in my whole lifetime. I only saw my biological mom maybe six or seven times in my lifetime. I might have saw her. I don't think I've seen her more than seven times, 
but that's okay. At least I'm, I'm thankful to have set my eyes upon her. But I never did set my eyes upon my biological father. So when, when, so I thought before I got saved, well, uh, I'm a foster child. I never had a father. And that's the way I would say it before I got saved, before I grew up. I went around thinking, well, gee whiz, I never had a father. Amen. And then, um, and then there was times in my lifetime when I was very young that I felt so sorry for myself. I thought I had it so tough because I would say to myself, I don't have a father. And I thought that in my little juvenile mind, I thought how things would be so much easier if I had a father. Uh, I would have someone I could ask answer my questions to. I could have someone who would get, show me the ropes in life. I could have someone I could go to if I needed something. I could go to my dad, and he would, uh, because he is my dad, he would give me anything that I needed. You have these fantasies about what it would be like if you had a real father in your life. And being a young child, I had these fantasies about this stuff. But as I grew up, I, I began to ignore that, not pay that any attention. And I really didn't pay it any attention until I got saved. And then when I, this is one of the scriptures that I read. So instead of walking around and saying, I never had a father, okay, I changed that around and, and realized because this verse says, for one is your father, which is in heaven. So I walked around saying, I have a father. I have a father. Of course, I meant a heavenly father. The person that was listening to me thought I meant, you know, a regular biological father. But they didn't know I meant I had a heavenly father. But that was such a buoy to my little life, my little juvenile life, to recognize that I had a father also. Because before then, I thought I was lacking something, something very significant. But then I found out that I have a father also because it's right here in Scripture. It says, for one is your father, which is in heaven. So I had a father too. I can't tell you how that blessed me. Amen. Glory to God. We know, glory to God, that in this day and age, at 70% of children born in the black community, uh, they're born out of wedlock. Over 70% of the children born in black communities are born out of wedlock. Single moms, only 50% of folks even bother to get married now. And children are told that they don't have a father in their life. And I, I, when I was around single moms, they would, they would tell the child, they would program the child, because I could tell being not having a dad and growing up in a foster home, I knew that I knew what that was about. So when I would go visit people or be at a, a, a fellowship or a function, and there'd be single moms there, and the kid would be playing, and he he doesn't have this on his mind, but something would happen, and the kid would start to cry. And mama would take the kid and she'd be patting him and she'd tell the adults standing around, oh, he's a good kid. He just doesn't have a father in his life. And she would look at him and pat his little eyes and say, you don't have a father in your life, do you, honey? I understand why you're crying and so on. And I'm thinking, the child, he's not even thinking about he doesn't have a father. The, the woman keeps telling him over and over and over that he doesn't have a father in his life. And I've seen kids as they got older, 16, 17, 18, they take up that mantra and they use that as an excuse for bad behavior. They start acting out, and when someone says, well, why did you do that? But now they're a lot older, and they know what to say because mama kept saying over and over again, oh, he doesn't have a father in his life. And then they get real sophisticated and say, he doesn't have a father figure in his life. And so... They would, but the kid hears this, so he grows up, and then when he does stuff that he shouldn't do, he knows the way out. He knows the way to get sympathy. He knows the way to get tears. 
He just says, I never had a father in my life. And they say, oh, that's why you did that. That's why you're acting out dysfunctional, because you didn't have a dad in your life. Okay, sweetie. Well, we understand and going to let the kid, and I'd be sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I never seen my father, and I didn't act like this crazy kid. The kid's just acting out because he's acting out, not because he don't have no dad, but the parents, they don't know, so they're psyched out. Oh, yes, he doesn't have a father figure. <laughs> and they cry, and the kid will cry because he know he's getting away with it. Hey, oh, we're up against a break. I got to stop. Hold on. I'll be right back after the break. Do you need tile installed in your home or business? Then John Robinson Tile LLC is the company for you. We have over 60 years of experience installing tile. We do bathrooms, kitchens, and so much more. Give us a call at 803-529-0092. Check out our website at www.johnrobinsontile2.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search J-Rob Tile or John Robinson Tile. We're licensed and insured and Schluter certified. If you need tile installed, we are your company. We believe in laying hands on everything that we do. That's John Robinson Tile Installation Service for new and old homes. Renovation of kitchens and bathrooms installs all types. That's John Robinson Tile, the number two, dot com. Well, beloved, I guess I'm going to continue on. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to continue on. I was saying, glory to God, that as, 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 um, as a child, I was before I grew up and read the Bible, I was sorry because I was told I didn't have a father, and so I was real sad and all that about that. But then, glory to God, when I grew up and got saved, glory to God, I started to understand some things. I started to understand some things, glory to God. And one of the things is, is that in the Bible, glory to God, the Bible says, glory to God, and it's in Psalms, it's in Psalms, in the book of Psalms, glory to God, 2710, it says, okay, Psalms 2710, let me, let me find that real quick. Psalms 20, I thought I had it marked out, 2710. It says, when when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And I noticed in my life that I had, in a lot of respects, a charmed life. And while I never did see my biological father, and I never did, and I only saw my mom six times or something like that, six or seven times. But at the same time, I noticed in my life almost a charmed life. Amen. I graduated from high school. There were many kids that didn't graduate from high school. I went into the military service. There was many kids that didn't go into the military service and a bunch of them that did, they got in all kind of trouble. When I came out of service, I went to four years college. A uh, whole bunch of people in my status, where I come from, didn't go to college. All kinds of trouble that I could have got into, but I was somehow spared. One time I almost drowned but didn't drown. Uh, all kinds of things. And I, it didn't, I didn't find out what, what was happening until I got saved. And when I got saved and I came across that verse in Psalm 27 where it says, when your mother and your daddy forsake you, then the Lord takes you up. Then immediately I got the revelation why I had such tremendous favor on my life. I escaped so many things because of God's favor upon my life. And I would like to think that that was because of this scripture that says, when your mother and your father forsake you, then the Lord will take you up. And I learned, I learned from the Bible that not having a biological father was not the end of the world. It wasn't the end of the world that I thought it was when I was a child. 
And I came to the place where when I realized the wonderful things that God did for me, the, the, the wonderful schools that he sent me to, traveling around the world, all over the world, being the director of research for the Washington Urban League, becoming a pastor, be, being in the ministry, and all kind of capacities, all kinds of wonderful things that happened to me. Then I came to see that I was almost glad that my father and my mother forsook me. I understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that that's what it, people should do. That's what you want to do. No, you want to do it the God's way. You want to, a man needs to marry a woman, have children, and the family stay together as a nuclear family. But if for some reason the family is broken up, glory to God, when God takes you up, you couldn't have a better provider. You couldn't have a better provider. And ladies out there, single ladies, instead of telling and emphasizing over and over again to your child that he doesn't or she doesn't have a father, don't say that to them. Let them read Matthew 23, 9 and say, see, honey, it's right here in the Bible. You have a father, your heavenly father, and he's a provider. He's the greatest provider in the world that there is. He feeds everybody, all 8 billion people upon the earth. And he's your father, and he provides for you. And see, that helps kids because now they don't walk around saying, I don't have a father. You train them up in the way that they should go. You train them up in scriptures, and they see that, in fact, they do have a father. And that helps them all through school, and it helps them through all the things that they got to face. Because they've got things to face that you don't know nothing about. When you drop them off at school, they're in a whole nother world. They got to defend themselves. They got to fight off bullies. They got uh, jealousy and envy. All kinds of things happen. Prejudice, anger, all kinds of things happen in school. They're in a whole new world when they're away from you. And if you fortify them with the word of God and let them know, glory to God, you got your mom and you got a heavenly father, and he's the greatest provider that there is. And then when it comes to young young men, let's say 16, 17, 18, don't tell them they don't have a dad. Don't tell them they don't have a, 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 a male example around them. Jesus was the greatest male that ever lived. He is their example for what a, a man is. Amen? Because, ladies, don't be confused uh, between what males are and what men are. Men are people who seek to do God's will, who are saved and stand and, and are doing, quietly doing God's will every single day of the year. And they're not lauded and they're not lifted up. But here you've got godly men going to church every Sunday, staying with their families, trying to do the right thing on the job. They are men. What's in the world are males. And that's why a lot of women are single, because they're males. They don't care about a godly covenant of marriage. They just want to have a sexual relation with you. And so they don't honor you because they don't know anything about honor. They're males. They're children of the devil. What you want to hook up with and covenant with is men, and men are children. When Adam and Eve was created, Adam was created by God, and glory to God. He stood before God, amen, glory to God. He was a man, amen, glory to God. There's a difference between men and males and all them people in the world with their fancy clothes and perfume and talking smack and, and kissing on you and wanting to drag you into the bed. Those are males. Don't get them confused and think that males are men. They're not. Because men of God ain't going to drag you into the bedroom. Amen? They're going to ask you to marry them. Amen? I didn't say they don't make mistakes. I said they're going to try to do the right thing. Amen? I didn't say they were perfect in the flesh. I said they're trying to do the right thing. And nobody is giving them credit. Nobody is saying, I honor you as a man 
trying to stand and do the right thing before God. Nobody honors them, and that's quiet. How how was today? How are you today, honey? Oh, I was okay. All right. Well, I was going to cook dinner, but I didn't feel like it. You get something from McDonald's. I'm going to bed. Amen? Who honors the man? He's the ATM machine in the family. Just give us the money. Provide the bills. So what? Go to sleep or whatever. Oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. Okay, bye-bye. And that's it. Amen? But they're men trying to do the right thing. Amen? Trying to do the right. I didn't say they were perfect. I said they're trying to do the right thing before God. Amen? Glory to God. And glory to God, what you need to tell your young men is that Jesus is their example and that they do have a father, a father in heaven, glory to God. And train them that the Bible says, like in Deuteronomy 5.16, to honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say that they have to love their father and their mother or that their father and mother are worthy. Some parents are not worthy. Amen. They beat their children. They sell their children. They use dope. They show the child how to use drugs and all kinds of Some people are not worthy. But God didn't say, see if your mom or dad is worthy. He says, honor your mother and your father. Amen? He didn't say you had to like them. He didn't say you had to determine if they were okay and worthy. He said to honor them. And so why do you honor them? Because once again, you're a child of God. You're standing before God. And so you want to obey the scriptures and do what God says. So the first reason you want to honor them is to obey scripture. The second reason you want to honor them is because God chose them specifically. He, he used them to bring you here on the earth, to bring you here on the earth for the most important choice that you'll ever make in all eternity. And that was to join the family of God. And you could not be a son or daughter of the living God, as important as that is, as, as, as tremendously, gigantically important as that is. You could have never been had the possibility to be included in the divine royal family of God and be translated and baptized into Jesus Christ and into the Godhead. For all eternity, you would never have had that opportunity or that privilege. But because, you're, because your parents brought you here, physically I'm talking about, glory to God, you were given that opportunity. So even though they may not have been the greatest people, maybe some, they did some dysfunctional things. I don't know. I don't know. But the Bible doesn't tell you to discern that. It just tells you to honor them. Amen? Glory to God. So this Father's Day, glory to God, uh, I know it's just another Father's Day. And maybe Dad comes in and he just plops down and eats and then sits and maybe watch the news or watches his favorite program, glory to God, and falls off to sleep. And maybe nobody really cares except, uh, Daddy, I need lunch money. Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I need that. Glory to God. At least this Sunday, glory to God. Instead of just saying, Daddy, I need, I need, I need, go over there and put your arms around him and tell him, Daddy, today's Father's Day. I just want to tell you that you work hard all year long. You try to do the right thing. And as far as I'm concerned, you're the best daddy that there is. I know there's probably wonderful daddies out there. Glory to God. But you're the best daddy, in my opinion, that there is. I get uh, uh, you want to do that for your dad. And a lot of times your dad will just laugh because he's supposed to be the big, strong bear in the house. And he might just laugh. <laughs> okay, honey. But don't you be fooled. He may laugh it off right at that second. But when he's in the truck or when he's at work or wherever he is, he's thinking about that everybody came and hugged him and said, Happy Father's Day, and kissed him all over the face, and he's pushing him back. Stop that. I don't know. I'm that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. He loves that attention, amen, that somebody said uh, Happy Father's Day to him. And now here's the greatest thing you can do. If you really want to put icing on the cake, 
If you really want to do something great, glory to God, go to your heavenly father. Remember, it's Father's Day, and and your heavenly father, the Bible says, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Your father, see, your biological dad down here, he's just your dad or pop. But your actual father, the Bible says, call no man on the earth father. So your actual father is in heaven, and it's Father's Day. So address your heavenly father, the one who you got your dad down here, but you got your father up there. So on Father's Day, be sure you talk to the right one. Amen? It's great to hug and kiss dad. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But your but your father, there's one in, in heaven, and that's your father in heaven. Amen? One is your father that is in heaven. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible is right. Amen? The Bible is right. It says there's one, in, and, and he's in heaven, and he's your father. So besides uh, lauding your dad, look up to heaven and say, Heavenly Father, you've been so good to me. You've given me everything that I got, everything I am, everything I'll ever be. It's because of you and your grace. I love you, Heavenly Father. Have a wonderful Father's Day, Heavenly Father. Enjoy all your children all over the world, giving you thanks and praise. Well, this is Pastor Williams. I'm out of town. I'm out of time. I'm over time. God bless you. Have a wonderful Father's Day. See you next week. Bye-bye now. Welcome to the Chosen Generation broadcast of the Second Nazareth Baptist Church as we are eagerly and enthusiastically equipping the saints for ministry. We now join Pastor Johnny Ray Noble and the morning worship service in progress. A part of the problem that's going on on the sideline, this, this in the midst of this crowd, and I'll tell you the particulars here, there is a young man, Jesus gets there and he says to the scribes, why are you discussing with my disciples? Says that in verse 16. But the scribes don't answer. But there's one in the crowd that has a problem. He speaks and he says, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, the church folks are arguing with one another. But there's a need that's going unmet because they got differences on how it's supposed to go, why it's supposed to go. Jesus steps in. All this confusion going on, but we're missing the real need. That's going on in the same crowd. Can I help us understand something here? We as Christians have been called because the world doesn't know how God works. But we who have been redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We who sing Zion songs. We who have all the prayer. All the church clothes in the closet. All the Bibles. All of the faith. We are the ones instead of meeting needs. Because they are looking at us for the answers to their problems. And most of the world's issues are spiritual in nature. They require a spiritual answer. And if people and if the people of God are too busy in uh, arguing and and debating over useless things, there are needs that are going unmet. Let me see if I can put it to us plainly. As we celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and as we celebrate Reverend King and the accomplishments, one of the things that uh, mobilized and pushed the civil rights movement was the, uh, what I call the coming together of churches of like faith of different denominations coming together to fight 
for a common cause for all of humanity. That was for equality and justice for everybody, regardless of their race, regardless of their creed. And now today, we are still faced with some of the same issues. When Martin Luther King was gunned down, he was gunned down right in the middle of the poor people's campaign. We sitting up here talking about a billion dollars. 1.5 billion that somebody won. While the weightier matters are still among us. What I want you to understand is the church came together universal to fulfill a need in the community. Those same needs, although we've gotten access, those same needs are still mostly unfulfilled. And churches and church folks are too busy arguing about who's on first, who's on second, Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to get the credit? And we have issues right here in South Carolina that need to be addressed while we are arguing who's bigger, who's better, who has the better choir, who has the better church, who has the most people. And it's a shame. Needs are not being met. In the midst of the crowd, there's this boy. His father has brought him and brought him to the church. But the disciples are too busy arguing. The disciples are not focused. They tried to get rid of the demon in the boy. But they got the demon in them. It's called the arguing demon. And they are powerless. They can't do nothing to help because they're focused on the wrong thing. The church in this day and age has got to be the beacon light that lets people know that all things are possible if people will believe. Some of you in 2015 didn't think a flag could come down. But when God's people get together, all things are possible. Some of us didn't think we'd get the right to vote, but guess what? When God's people come together, all things what? Now, we got a fight before us. And it should not have taken Jesse Jackson to come to South Carolina to get us on task. When Nikki Haley said that she was not going to accept the Medicaid money, all of God's people should have stood up and said, oh, yes, you are. Because we know that with God, come on, together, all things are what? As long as there are poor people, we got to let people know that all things are. As long as there is inequality and inequity in the housing market where there are people that are homeless, there are people that need shelter and can't get it, we've got to let people know that what? All things are Oh, yes, as long as there are hungry children, as long as there are babies that are not reaching their full maturity because they don't have the proper nutrition that they need because they are born into poverty. We need to let people know that all things are possible if we what believe and we can't be good stewards of what God has entrusted into our care to be the agents for change in the world, to be the agents that preserves the world unless we have a strong faith in God. And so then, look at the problem. I want you to see the problem. There's a problem in this text, and we don't want to be like these disciples. We don't want to be like the scribes. We've got to get our stuff together. There's a problem in the text. There is a young boy. He's got a demon in him. And he didn't pick the demon up. He was born with the demon. How do I know that he was born with the demon? I want you to look. I want you to look where it, where it, where it is. Jesus says, how, how long this been 
going on in verse 21. Y'all see it? Look at verse 21. How long has this been happening to him? It's been happening to him since his childhood. He, he was born that way. Demonic influence was his birthright. My God. This is a child who would not swing on the swing. No swing set for him from birth. No sliding board for him from birth. Demon from birth. This is one of the most debilitating infirmities because no one would want to rock him to sleep. Demon possessed from birth. No one want to watch him while his father go out and do go to the marketplace. Couldn't take him now because he's unclean. Couldn't go to church because he's unclean. Why? He's got a demon inside of him. No sliding board for him. Look at this young man. No merry-go-round for him. From birth, messed up. From birth, no fault of his own. He was born that way. That would be no preschool graduation for this boy. No middle school, no high school graduation, no prom, no hope for him. Born that way. Demon possessed. No chance. Born that way. Demon possessed. No hopes of getting married, having a girlfriend, dating. No hope of becoming a parent and having a, a productive household and life. Demon possessed. Born that way. And while they come to look for healing, the father comes. Guess what happens? The church folks are arguing, fighting. But I got a child that's got a real problem. And y'all are arguing. What a shame when the church does not stand up and be the church. When the church doesn't show the faith that it needs to show. It can wreck folks that are already wrecked. It can take them on out. And all we do hollering about why they commit suicide. I never commit suicide. Why they do this. I never do that. Why are they still poor? Why are they, why are their circumstances the way they are? Why don't they get a better job? Why don't they uh, find some health insurance? It's because the church is not doing what the church ought to be doing. We're too busy infighting and fussing in front of folk. And they can't see Jesus because of us because we're not displaying the faith that we need to show. And so this boy... He represents society. We live in a society that's sick, that has some problems, and they come to seek out the church for answers, and we ought to be able to give them some answers. That's what being a good steward of what God has given us is all about, that when people come looking for Jesus, we ought to be able to give them the answers that they are looking for. And so this fella doesn't have any hope, no good job for him, no hope of retiring and living a good life and kicking his heels back. He was born that way. Demonic influence was his birthright. The father in verse 17 says, I brought you my son who has this dumb spirit. Nothing we've done can get it out of him. Dumb, meaning mute. Y'all know what that, that is. It, it doesn't respond to anything. And so 
Wherever he goes, I can't take him in public. Verse 18, tell me why. Because he has what we call fits. He foams at the mouth. He grits his teeth together. He growls at people. He becomes rigid. He, 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 so, so, so when I, I spoke to your disciples, they couldn't do nothing. I want to submit to us that sometimes we are the only Jesus that people will ever see. Your life and my life are the only Jesus that some people will ever, will ever see. And when they turn back the pages, when this father turns back the pages, he sees not that the disciples could not, but it sent another message as well that Jesus could not. When we don't show them and point them to the way, then they feel that there is no way. He says, I came to your people, your followers. And they could not do it. Jesus says. Faithless. Generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him. To me. Can I go down the lane, come back one, and then I'll be done. Let me show you why this is such a shame. First of all, quit saying that you don't have what the world needs. The church needs to stop professing that we don't have what people need. That's why God put us where we are, to be stewards in this world. Of godly things. And we're not supposed to hold on to them. But we're supposed to share godly things. Quit saying that we don't have it. Quit saying that we can't. Quit saying that the problems. That are out there. are, are That we can't do anything about them. How do I know that they have. What, what is needed for this case. Look at verse 29. Real quick. He said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Verse 28, the disciples said, why can't we cast it out? Jesus says, this kind comes by fasting and praying. Now, hadn't Jesus already taught them how to pray? Hadn't he already taught them about fasting when he went away for the days and for the nights? So guess what? They already had what they needed to help these folks. They were just Focus on the wrong thing. And so they did damage. To this man's. Faith. And situation. I want to tell us. That not only. Were the disciples. A part of the faithless generation. Not only was the father. A part of this faithless generation. Because he didn't say faithless person. Not only were the scribes. Part of this faithless generation. We too can be put in. And wrapped into this faithless generation. If we don't give. Use what God has given us. And what we, and what we have. In order to help society. We too are a part of the faithless generation. Why? Because we are damaging people's faith. When we don't show them the way. The truth. And the light, which is Jesus Christ. And so then, the scribes are a part of the faithless generation. The disciples are a part of the faithless generation. And this father is also a part of this faithless generation. Scripture says, without faith, it's impossible huh, to please him. Faith 
is the substance of things hoped for. Huh? It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move what? Mountains. And so people are struggling in their faith because we are not wearing our faith so that they can see it and know that God has all power and that all things are possible to him that believes. And so then we've got to, as we look at this holiday that's before us, as we look at and we talk about the dreamer, the drum major for justice, as we talk about everything that Dr. Martin Luther King stood for, and as we even look at this young boy in this text that represents the world situation, there is a lot of work to do. And if we are going to be the good stewards, if we are going to be uh, the managers that God has called us to be. See, this thing here ain't about money. It's really about your time. It's really about your willingness. It's really about your, your duty to show the world what the church can do when we are together. And not caught up in frivolous things. And so then there is a lot of work to do. As I've looked at it, we have got to show that there is hope. There are going to be a lot of people marching on tomorrow. There will be a lot of people gathering at the dome, at the Capitol. But yet it takes more than just walking. It takes more than just some talking. It's going to take some action. In order to get things done, there are children in poverty. We've got to show people that all things are possible. There are those that need health care. There, we got to show that all things are possible. We're getting ready to, to uh, sue the state government. And that's the way you got to get it done. Got to sue the state government to get access to medical care. But let me tell you something. There were marches. There was a lot going on, but change didn't come until legislation went through. And when the legislation went through and the actions took place and it came together and the churches were involved, then we saw a change. And I believe that change is still possible. All things are what? They are possible if we believe. Can God move? Yes, God can move. God can move. Jesus, let me show you what he does if we believe in him. Jesus brought the boy to him in verse 20. And when he saw him, the Bible says immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has it been happening? He says, from childhood. So Jesus wants to give him another chance. Uh, he had often been thrown into the fire. He had been thrown into the water. The demon wanted to destroy him. There are demons, y'all, in this world that wants to destroy the next generation. We who have been people that have been messed up from birth. We had nothing to do with the color of our skin. We had nothing to do with who we were born to. We had nothing to do with our circumstances. And yet there are forces that want to destroy us. But Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Jesus rebukes the demon. And when you look at verse 27, verse 27 says Jesus took the boy by the hand. He lifts him up and he arose. Not only does Jesus rebuke the demon, but he restores the son. People can be restored. People can get adequate housing. People can get good jobs. People can get good health care. People can recover from what they've been born to. All things are possible. To them that 
who believe. And so then, to get that word out, we should not be like the disciples. The disciples said, how did that come? By fasting and by praying. In other words, by our attitude. By the way we represent Christ. I want to tell you that all things are possible. We've got to learn how to tell people that God can turn situations around. We've got to learn how to tell people that all things are possible to him who believes. We've got to tell people that God specializes in moving the unmovable. That God specializes in enduring the unendurable. We gotta tell people, yes, that God teaches us how to love the unlovable. God teaches us how to forgive the unforgivable. Yes, he teaches us how to bear the unbearable. And God's people have got to show others how to face the unfaceable. How to heal the unhealable. God, yes, faith in God will point them to Jesus who can heal the unhealable. Yes, God can show us the way how to conquer the unconquerable that comes in our lives. And I don't know about you, but all things are possible to them that believe. Yeah, and if I'm going to be a good steward over what God has made me the manager of, yeah, I've got to learn how to live a life that shows the world that I can stay calm in the midst of a crisis situation. My God, my life has got to show that uh, there can be peace in the midst of all of my problems. Yeah, how I handle what's going on in my own life will show others, yes, the way to Jesus when things are going wrong in their lives. Yeah, my life ought to be a living testimony that all things, yeah, are possible with God on our side. If we learn how to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, and not just be in the closet Christians, my God, but today is my coming out. I'm going to be out of the closet Christian, yeah, and I made up my mind that uh, all things, yeah, are possible if I show the world that I will believe. My God, there are little boys, women, children, and unfortunate men out there that need some hope in this life. Yeah, there are over one million South Carolinians, my God, that need to know, yes, that there's hope today. And you can be a messenger of that hope if you learn how to live by faith in God. Yes, you ought to show that there's gladness in the midst of your sorrows. You ought to show somebody that you've been touched by a doctor that's never lost a patient. You ought to show your faith by showing the world, yes, that Jesus is a friend, yes, that stick it closer than any brother. You ought to show somebody that you learn how to press on anyhow, though you have pain in your life. My God, is there anybody here that will show the world that all things are 
possible if you will believe. Heaven, he delivered you in the times of disaster. You ought to show today, yes, that all things are possible. Yes, if you believe, hasn't he strengthened you when you're going through trials and through temptation? Ain't all things possible if you believe in God? Has he ever sustained you in a moment of sickness? You ought to be a testimony that all things are possible if you believe. Are there any believers in the house? You ought to say yes. I am a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here that's a testimony of what God can do if you believe? Yes, my Lord. Do you believe in the Lord? He died. Didn't he die? He died. He died on Calvary. Pierced in his side. Do you believe that all things are possible? When it looked like he was out and down. And they put him in that grave. He stayed there all day on Friday. Stayed there Saturday night. But early on Sunday morning, he showed us that all things all things all things are possible to those that believe are you facing something in your life that seems impossible you have been listening to the chosen generation broadcast with pastor johnny ray noble of the second nazareth baptist church located at 2336 elmwood avenue in columbia south carolina Bible study is held on Wednesday at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Sunday school is held at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and worship service begins at 10. Please join us as we prepare the church to face the challenges of a new millennium. For more information, call the church at 803-256-0088 or visit us online at www.secondnazareth.org.